0: We welcome you to our morning service and our okay, our mission summit. Uh, we've already had an opportunity. Some of our small group Sunday school classes had a chance to hear from some of our missionaries. And uh, we are very excited to be able to hear from them again here this morning. And just thinking about all that God has been doing and is doing through our partnerships here and abroad, it's really encouraged me, and I hope and pray that you will be encouraged Uh, Real quickly before we get started, let me just share with you a couple of goals uh, that this weekend uh, has as its aim. Uh, Number one, we just want awareness. We just want you to know who our missionaries are and what they're doing and how to partner with them specifically through prayer, by getting their newsletters, uh, by getting prayer updates from them. If you haven't done that, visit our foyer on your way out or come back this evening. We'd love for you to come back and be part of our uh, panel discussion and our meet and greet this afternoon And uh, you can sign up for newsletters. You can get prayer cards to stick on your refrigerator. uh, You can get bookmarks, all kind of literature and information about our missionaries and uh, to be very, very um, beneficial for you to do that. And so the the theme is to pray, to give, and to go. So some of you may be burdened or or called to to partner financially with our missionaries, which is always a need. And then one of the long-term goals that we have, with this missionary partnership is that I'm praying that we will have some short-term mission trips that are birthed out of our um, increased partnerships and relationship um, with our missionaries. And so we're very much looking forward to all of these opportunities. So thank you guys for being here. Uh, Before we get started, I want to read a verse from the prophet Zephaniah. Zephaniah 317 says this, the Lord, your God is among you. Amen. He is mighty to save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. What a beautiful passage. As we think about the purpose of every ministry, every gospel ministry, is to understand that God is still faithful today and that he is mighty to save. And we are seeing people's lives be changed for all of eternity through the great commission being carried out through his people. And that's what that verse really is all about. And so as he rejoices over us with singing, let's rejoice with him and sing together. Will you stand with me this morning as we start out singing?
1: My God is mighty to save, He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave.
0: And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. You may be seated.
2: morning Christ Church. If you were here last week, we promised you a a special service today and uh, boy am I excited for what we have coming up. Um, You know, Marcus uh, mentioned our missionaries are in town and so uh, we're excited that we have a a few here today that are going to spend some time sharing with you. Uh, But also let me encourage you, tonight at 4 o'clock or this afternoon at 4 o'clock We will have all of our our missionaries that the church uh, sponsors and probably some of you um, give to personally. They will be right here. You've probably seen their information set up out here. So let me encourage you, come at 4 o'clock and you can get to to meet these individuals, uh, spend some time talking to them, figuring out uh, the things that they've got going on. It'll be a great time to meet and greet and then we'll have a a special prayer time right after that uh, starting at 5 o'clock. Uh, a couple other things before we, we continue on. We're wrapping up our Go campaign, so let me say thank you for all the work that, uh, that you've done thus far. We still have some, some door hangers out here, so um, as you have time, please you know, grab, a, grab another map, grab another box, and, uh, and continue to work, work faithfully for that. We, we do appreciate that. Uh, as with tonight's uh, activities, all the Bible studies that we originally planned for Sundays are canceled. So, um, if you're going to be here anyway, might as well just come on and, and meet our meet our missionaries. So, um, last thing: Wednesday night uh, dinner. Just make sure uh, if you are uh, interested in doing that, uh, to make sure that you uh, are reserved by ten a.m. on Tuesday, so you can either. Uh, notate it and put it in the box uh, as you leave today or call the church office um, and do that just so we we have a head count. Okay, so with that, um, I have the opportunity to introduce to you uh, our first uh, missionary uh, speaker presentation this morning. This is uh, Gary and Winnie Whitmore. Uh, What's interesting, I... I just learned this last night that the Whitmores have been one of the first missionaries of Christ Church dating back since 1982 when the church was was founded. Them and uh, and the Citrons were right there close together. So talking about 35 years uh, of sponsorship of mission opportunity, that's, that's impressive, so... Um, Great thing, but, but Gary and Winnie Whitmore are missionaries with, with Transworld Radio, TWR, and this is the most far-reaching Christian radio network in the world. There's programs in over 225 languages, and dialects are aired from more than 2,000 outlets, including 14 international broadcast locations. Every day, TWR's broadcasts reach millions in over 160 countries. Gary began working with TWR on Bon Air in 1976. In 1978, Gary moved to Guam and worked at KTWR. Winnie married Gary uh, in 1979 and also began her service with TWR that year. Gary and Winnie served on, uh, on Guam and Hong Kong and Singapore. In 1994, they returned to the U.S. Gary and Winnie have three children and presently, three grandchildren, Gary and Winnie pres- presently share the ministry uh, of casting TWR's vision to Christians in the U.S. Looking for partnerships in churches and with individual Christians. So, with that, please welcome Gary and Winnie Whitmore. Please stand. And I'm going to invite Gary on up because I know he has uh, he has a few things that he would like to share. So, with that,
3: Gary Whitmore. It is great to be here at Christ Church. It's hard to imagine. I was a young man, and when he was in kindergarten, <laughs> when, we, when you started supporting us, so thank you very much. I was trying to think what to share, so we're going to show, uh, I got a PowerPoint, so hopefully in technology, I click a button and... And Tommy doesn't have to press buttons back there. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So, uh, but a little bit about what TDBR is, but also a little bit about the uh, Whitmores, uh, and you know, through those years, and what what we're doing now, our family, and so on, and then a little bit about TDBR And we uh, ch- encourage you again. We got a display, like all the missionaries do. Prayer is the way you can reach. The world, you make. What can I do in Bartlett, Tennessee, to reach Afghanistan or in China? Hey, we need people to climb the towers, but we also need people praying for those who are searching and do not know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Hey, it's working. Um, to, I love. Um, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies will claim the work of his hands. Um, I could spend a lot of time just describing how at creation God put the earth right where he did, where in the behind the iron curtain, the bamboo curtain, which is down now. Now you've got, might say, the Islamic curtain. But at creation, he made it so that radio waves could bounce, um, go great distances to reach people. Now, a little bit about the Whitmores. Um, We've been uh, with TDBR for about 40 years. We were, have been involved in uh, making, helping to make programs so so that, you know, the barriers we could have and make radio programs go behind these barriers and penetrate behind these walls. And then sometimes we find a great wall and climb it. I was born here in Memphis. And I had two goals in life, to make a lot of money, stay in Memphis for the rest of my life, went into what was then Memphis State, now the University of Memphis, in electrical engineering to make a lot of money. When I was a senior there, God got a hold of me and said, you've been playing church, I want your entire life. And then uh, God has allowed now for 40 years to use uh, the talents and education and so on. And he said, go. And I was willing to say, uh, Go. Now, also, sometimes missionaries go to great heights to serve the Lord. Sometimes we would just hang around. Now, those are the antennas on Guam, too. Those little tiny things behind me uh, are jeeps. You go to the middle of these antennas, and if you've got to repair a wire, you've got this little tiny wood chair and a rope. Uh, the jeep goes back, you go up. Some, some missionaries do that. We did a lot more than that, but... Uh, We were also able to uh, meet broadcasters like Chuck Smith came to Singapore to meet with us. Also, we were able to meet um, pastors in China who were in jail. What was their crime? Preaching the gospel. Now, um, in Hong Kong, um, that's a picture of the uh, new territories behind us. And so each of our children, David, Daniel, Deborah, were born in a, a different country. And our daughter Deborah was born in that small Asian village called Hong Kong, with uh, six million people. Now it was a real shock to move from Guam. You had hundred thousand people, a jungle island, then moved to the concrete jungle of Hong Kong. Now David and Rachel—they're now serving in Evansville, Indiana. They planted a church there ten years ago, and then their two children, David and um, I mean Ethan and. And Maddie. Now, David's gone back overseas to Myanmar a number of times, even a couple of times, took Maddie with him. She has a heart for uh, missions. Our son Daniel was born on Guam, so he and Tabby, and then uh, Teddy and Thatcher live six houses down from us in Lakeland, Tennessee, and Grandma Winnie just loves that. Uh, what'd I say? Oh. It's, yeah, we were driving through Lakeland, Tennessee yesterday, so, <laughs> so we made a wrong turn. Um, but now, then our daughter, Deborah, who's was born in Hong Kong, um, and her husband lives in Minnesota. So she you know grew up in Hong Kong, which is similar to Florida weather, then to Singapore and Guam, and then to um, Florida. So when she escaped, she went as far north as you can without having a Canadian accent. So what does TBR do? We're broadcasting, as you heard, in 2,000 local stations throughout the world. But if you think about it, many countries in the world will not allow you to broadcast or have a local Christian station. There's no WCRVs or KLove in how about North Korea, Vietnam, China, India, all the Stan countries. Middle East, North Africa. I just mentioned more than half the world's population, and you cannot put in a local Christian station. So God has provided um, over 15 what we call superpower transmitters. Each of them are a miracle. They're in places where, humanly speaking, it's impossible for us to uh, broadcast. But um, And the power is very powerful so, each night, we broadcast on a station. Now, 50,000 watts is the max you can use here in the States on AM. We have a station in, I can't say where, if I, I can tell you where it is, but then I have to kill you, so I cannot do that, and you don't want me to. But it is a million watts on AM broadcasting to the Middle East and Iran each night. We also, uh, again, as I said, there's many, many countries why do we broadcast? Um, there's many Christian stations here. I was in Knoxville, Tennessee, last week and traveling with our guy from Central Asia, and I said, "Click the you know, scan button on .AM., and then FM. Um, Knoxville, I think, is smaller than Memphis, and there were six Christian radio stations, uh, um, 24 hours a day. but um, we broadcast. Many of our programs are like 30 minutes a day to millions of people. And I think that's why prayer is so critical. Also, there's over 300, what you call mega languages in the world. Uh, they, they, these people speak, they don't speak English. They speak other languages. I think with Cliff, there's over 5,000 languages and dialects around the world. But there's over, um, over uh, 300 that are a million or more people speak. That's why TWR... Uh, what is it called when somebody speaks two languages, they are what? Three languages, they are what? One language, they are what? American, that's it. <laughs> but, Tintrero is not bilingual or trilingual, but however you say, 230 languages and, and dialects. Now, we use very powerful transmitters going into closed countries, and some of these are 20 times the power that you can have um, here in the States. Now, maybe you can see the the antennas. Uh, I can't see real well, but those are the antennas I was telling you about. I was climbing up in those. And what happens when a 50-mile-per-hour wind goes blowing through that antenna? The tower just hold up the antenna. You can imagine what a 100-mile-per-hour wind would do for all those, what's called a curtain antenna. And we've had several times when storms have come through, and I'll share more about that later. This is the coverage area of those um, about 20 very powerful transmitters. Now, you see, there's some spots where there's nothing. That's where we can probably broadcast locally, like in Latin America, parts of of Europe. But that's the coverage area of those very major transmitters. A group called um, um, Christian, I know it was a Mapping International. They gave them the information of the languages, the coverage area, and they guesstimate there's 4.3 billion people under the umbrella, not 4.3 billion is listening, but it's available in their language and with a a good enough signal. Now, do you see this? I took this picture in China. Do you see something that's unique? Um, He's got a bicycle, and he's delivering, but what else does he have? He's got a cell phone. He's got a bicycle. He's got a cell phone. So TWR is not just radio. That's why we call it now. Our name is TWR. Uh, we now, on a smartphone app, I left my phone over there. But you can now 67 languages, soon 100 languages. And most of the people using that app on their smartphone are in closed countries. And they're able to um, just reach uh, people. I see, this guy, a big smile and a big cell phone. Uh, right behind me is North Korea. I was on the China-North Korean border, and I got between here and Yale um, with the, um, on a little water taxi. You go back to Dandong, the Chinese village. They're so building big, tall buildings. North Korea, there was nothing. But every two, 300 yards were two guys of AK-47s. Probably not to keep me out, but to keep people in. But right there on the bridge... With a Chinese made radio, we were able to tune in um, to the broadcast. If you remember last year, the, uh, the head of North Korea was going to lob um, missiles where? To, to Guam, and that's where our transmitter is. So, for many reasons, be praying that doesn't happen. Now, all these power means nothing unless lives are being changed. And um, this guy said, I am a Kazakh from northwest China. When I was shepherding, now how many of us would know how to reach a shepherd, a Kazakh shepherd in northwest China? And basically, I won't spend any more time. But he was going through, on his radio, listening, and uh, became a Christian uh, through the broadcast. And then, I was, ladies, would your life be different if you were born in Saudi Arabia, or Afghanistan? Well, this guy said, I was born and raised in Saudi Arabia to a conservative family, a Muslim uh, family. Ever since I was a young boy, I I studied the holy book on a daily basis and performed my religious duties. But he wasn't worshiping me, the true God. But because of what you shared on your program, I'm ready to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Then what does it say? You know in my country, if I convert to Christianity, there's a death sentence. That's what many people have to face. It's hard for them to hear the gospel, but then when they do, to make the decision, we could today have an altar call, and everybody could come forward, and nobody's going to knock on your door um, and ask, you know, hope that you die, but many of our listeners around the world have to do that. So what can you do? I mentioned there's over $4 in the coverage area. Many of our broadcasts are 30 minutes a day max. They tune in, and there's, there's an emptiness in my heart. If I get on the radio listen to the music or something, it would help me. And, but if they, then they'll hear a broadcast. But say the broadcast of their language is 8 to 8.30, they tune in 15 minutes early, 15 minutes late, it'd be another language. But I believe that God is sovereign. Do you believe that? Are you willing to pray that people at the right time We'll tune in. Now, I'm trying to get rid of GBM prayers. You know what GBM prayers are? God bless the missionaries. That's great. But God answers your prayer, and it's so broad. He answers your prayer, you don't even know it. So you'll see at our table and all the missionaries, we have sign-up. We have, Wendy and I have an email update we send each week. Now, let me tell you how important prayer is. This is the antennas on Guam I was showing you. And it's hard to tell with the light, but there's a storm went through, damaged the antennas. And um, now, two years ago, it was June 19, no, 19, boy, 2017, you'll see that the the track where they think the storm's going to go is going to go right over Guam, and it would have damaged the antennas. But then we sent out our special email update for people to pray now, let's um, see if this works. No, I can't show it on the. But the storm, instead of going the way it did, it went this way, went around Guam. And the weather people said, storms just don't do that. But they do when God's people pray. So I encourage, and the, the, the letter that we received from China that was the most impactful was a storm went through at Christmas time, which isn't really typhoon season, but it came through, damaged the antennas, electrical system on Guam, and we weren't able to let our listeners know. Then we got a letter from Sichuan, we were off the air for about two weeks. We got a letter from Sichuan Province, China saying, we didn't realize at Christmas you'd be taking a holiday. <laughs> but you were off the air so long we thought the Lord had returned and left us behind. Maybe realize how dependent so many people around the world are for the gospel. Or I'm a believer and to be discipled. But they say, we're so thankful you came back on the air. So I encourage you uh, to be praying. One other quick thing. Uh, this is the transmitter that I mentioned that is or, where they were constructing it in, we'll call it, um, well, near the Middle East. And I got an email saying, in this country it snows. And we've got to, let me show you the next picture. All these radio wires are part of the antenna system that you put on the ground, like spokes of a, of a bicycle. And they said, if we do not get these in before it snows, we'll have to wait until springtime to start broadcasting. And I'm not emotional, but about two weeks later, I got an email saying, it's snowing everywhere in this country, except right around the transmitter site. So, you know, we think of, we see in the Old Testament, the New Testament, God did great things and miracles, but for our lives, it was, oh, we don't want to bother him, or he can't answer my prayers. Jesus Christ yesterday, today, forever. So I, and so God's the same, so I encourage you to be praying, and in your difficulties, he's in control. So, thank you very much for all that you've done supporting us all these years. Thank you for your faithfulness. I ask you to encourage praying for us and um, be praying for those around the world. The rest of the world, not Shelby County, Tennessee. It's different. Be praying for these people who need Jesus Christ. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Gary. I hope you guys spend some time with them in the four-year after service. And please come back uh, this evening and we get to hear a little bit more from each of our missionaries. And hopefully that just got your interest peaked enough to want to know more and how you can pray. And I, th- I think I speak for all of our missionaries is said that that's the number one need that they have beyond financial support or going on the mission field. They just need our prayers. And so um, you guys, please take advantage of that. The other thing that in- impresses me is uh, with all of our missionaries that we've talked to over the weekend, uh, just the, um, the idea of the different languages and how we're, we're utilizing the modern technology that can be such a double-edged sword, right? It can be such a, a used for such evil, and yet God is using it for such good for us to be able to get the gospel in all of these different languages so somebody around the world can hear the gospel in their language just simply by picking up a a smartphone. That's amazing to me. And so what blessings and benefits that we get uh, through partnering with these ministries. So in in view of that, we're going to sing how great God is and what he's doing with TUWR, and then we're going to hear from some of of our other missionaries. So let's stand and, and just praise God for how great he is this morning.
1: Great is our God. rejoice. He wraps himself in light. And darkness tries to hide. Trembles at his voice. Trembles at his voice. How great He's the name, He's the name. Our God.
0: Amen. You may be seated. Well, we get a privilege now to introduce our next guest, and uh, one of our local partnerships is Life, Choice, Life Choices of Memphis. And so we have the privilege this morning of hearing from their new CEO, Steve Copeland. Uh, A little bit about Life Choices uh, before we let uh, Mr. Steve come up and share. Uh, 1986, Life Choices began its ministry to women facing the prospect of unplanned pregnancy. By 2007, Life Choices converted into a medical clinic, including diagnostic pregnancy testing and limited ultrasound under the supervision of a licensed medical doctor and on-site nursing staff. Uh, For women who choose to make a life-affirming decision in their pregnancy, Life Choices offers counseling to help um, these ladies make a positive plan for both she and her baby. Uh, It's committed to providing a non-judgmental and Christ-like environment uh, designated to educate and empower women to make life-affirming decisions. Um, there's so much more I could say about Life Choices, but we are so privileged to be able to partner with this local ministry. And so at this time, i want to give Mr. Steve Copeland our time and attention. So would you just give Mr. Steve a round of applause? Steve Copeland, CEO of Life Choices.
4: It's good to be here this morning. Thank you, Marcus. And thank you, everyone, who's been so encouraging thus far this morning as we've Uh, ...shared uh, in a Sunday school class and we shared in the lobby. Thank you for all who came up to uh, affirm what we're doing. And uh, You heard a little bit about our mission. It's educating and empowering women to choose and cherish life. And yet it's being done uh, in many ways, just like we heard from Gary... ...sort of in the front line of a spiritual battle. Uh, Whereas they're facing a spiritual battle of opposition... ...from allowing the word of God to penetrate many dark nations... We are bringing the word of God into many dark, dark souls. <clears throat> Women who are struggling over issues who have found themselves pregnant or find themselves already having had an abortion or a number of other circumstances. Now, there's a scripture that came to my heart this morning as I was considering this, and it uh, reflects, I hope, all of us in a sense that Paul said to Timothy, this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And I think all of us recognize the longer we live with the Lord that we're the chief of sinners ourselves. And I'm saying that because at Life Choices we're dealing with an issue that there's a lot of uh, opinion and challenge in our society, and we're trying to come at it in a non-judgmental way, recognizing that we too are sinners and that the circumstances that ladies are facing with the pregnancies, and the other issues we address are are people who are needing a Savior, the Lord Jesus. And that's the foremost objective of what Life Choices is about, is sharing Christ, sharing the love of Christ, bringing women and those that they're involved with into new life in Christ. We've been around, as we heard, for nearly 35 years. We were founded and based in Memphis. It's a long story about how we were founded, but the short version of it was there were some people who went to a conference in Washington, D.C., and they heard speakers, including the president of the United States, President Reagan, talk about the scourge of abortion across our nation. And on the trip back, they asked the Lord in prayer, saying, Lord, what are you going to do about this in Memphis? And the Lord said to them, what am I going to do? What are you going to do? And that was the beginning of Life Choices. And to this day, we carry that torch uh, of those original founders. We have two locations, one not far from here on Raleigh LaGrange. If you go up Bartlett Boulevard, uh, just where it turns into Sycamore View, Raleigh LaGrange uh, is our main facility. We have another facility near uh, Midtown, near uh, right next door to Planned Parenthood, in an office building next to Planned Parenthood. And we're seeing that very strategically placed as we reach out to women in our community. For example, recently there's been a lot of energy, uh, other pro-life groups in our community that are going to Planned Parenthood, uh, Sidewalk Advocates for Life, and they're talking to women as they're going into Planned Parenthood, and they encourage them to come over, and they pray with them and talk with them about what they're doing, and many, many of these women, instead of going into Planned Parenthood, are actually going into our Life Choices facility, and there they're having ultrasounds, and I think the numbers are quite astounding that when a woman has an ultrasound, she suddenly realizes this really is a baby, and we're seeing many choose to uh, make a life-affirming choice of what we call it, Uh, and at the same time, we're also seeing the gospel get shared in many circumstances. The other day, one of our uh, our clinic uh, manager, director, she came to me. She said, what a wonderful day we had today. I was in the ultrasound room with a woman. And she gave her life to Christ. And we're on this front line of life or death. It's choose this day whom you will serve, Joshua said. And Moses talked about, I witnessed before you today, life or death, choose life. And in our nation, we understand this battle of life. Sixty million babies have been aborted since the Roe versus Wade decision. And we can only imagine from the eyes of God who's very compassionate, who's long-suffering, if, if any of us were the Lord, we would have brought judgment a long time ago, but he's waiting for uh, a nation to turn back to itself, and he's waiting for individuals to make that choice. We had a client who recently shared her testimony at our, na- at our annual banquet. This uh, lady had had three abortions, and yet God reached down to her and had mercy upon her and saved her, and she's now a new creature in Christ and living a whole new life and speaking out as a pro-life advocate. So we are taking care of women who are pregnant, but we're also taking care of women who've made that wrong choice of having an abortion. But we're understanding them, that they were in circumstances where they felt cornered and had no way out. And now that they've had the abortion, they are troubled in their souls. We even had a young man who had the same situation where he had impregnated a woman and He came under, uh, they had an abortion, and he came under conviction of sin, and he repented and turned to the Lord, and now he's actually teaching in the schools, uh, assisting us in uh, some of the programs that we have in the the Memphis school system. So we're seeing fundamentally lives change because we are excited about babies and the women making life-affirming decisions. We are also excited about people who are, making eternal affirming decisions choosing Christ as the answer both for the pregnancy or the post abortion situation or for life itself you know it says in Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 woe to those who call evil good and good evil put darkness for light and light for darkness isn't that where we are in a society now that we even are having this discussion that we saw a whole battle over a Supreme Court nominee based fundamentally on the pro-life issue. Satan is, knows his time is short. Satan knows his time is short. He knew his time was short when Moses was born and they killed all the babies of Egypt. He knew his time was short when our Lord Jesus was born and they killed all the babies. And now he knows his final time is short and he's bringing out... To kill, steal, and destroy. But our Lord Jesus came to give life, and that more abundantly. And that's what Life Choices fundamentally is all about. Sharing the life of Jesus Christ with women who've been ravaged by the, by the powers of darkness. And we also need your prayers desperately. Because we we're on the front line of this battle, just like we heard from Gary. Prayer is the most important thing a believer in Jesus Christ can do. We have 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Paul encouraged us to pray without ceasing. We covet your prayers. There are also numerous volunteer opportunities with us. If you're interested, you can talk with me or Stacy, who's with Life Choices. We have a table out there, and there's almost an endless capacity of office needs, of needs for coaching women in our baby prep program and many of our other programs just want to thank you all for again for the support you all have given us the encouragement and want to say the momentum of life is on our side because we are on the Lord's side we've humbled ourselves and said Lord we bow low before you now the life of Jesus Christ will sweep across our city And maybe we'll see something wonderful in our lifetime, a sweep across our nation, turning us back to the living and true God. Thank you very much. Thank you, Steve. Um, you know what, what's amazing, just,
2: just sitting back over there listening both to Gary and, and to Steve, and, and what I hope you're hearing as well is that that these missionaries that, that our church uh, supports, you are a part of that. You play a part with with every dollar that you give to this church, and a portion goes to support all of these missionaries so that just because we're sitting here in Bartlett, Tennessee, we have life-changing impacts across the world, both here, here locally and all across the, the world. So uh, I'm, I'm very encouraged and uplifted about um, what, what we've heard thus far. So uh, with that, uh, I have the privilege of introducing our next uh, missionary to, to present to us. Many of you may know the Rocks. Um, they've uh, been here for, for a number of years. Some of you may know them personally. Maybe some of you uh, give uh, to, their, um, to their mission per, uh, personally. But for those that, that may not know the Ronks, Steve and Robin are missionaries with CRU, which is the U.S. arm of Campus Crusade for Christ. Uh, they currently serve at Crew's World Headquarters, which is in Orlando, Um, They are toughing it for Jesus, (laughs) Um, but from the world headquarters, they are able to touch the lives of people from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation through crews, dozens of ministries in 173 countries around the world. Steve currently is assisting staff both at the world headquarters and uh, around the U.S., and Robin serves in the U.S. Leadership and, and Human Resources Department. So anybody that is coming looking to be a missionary with Crew goes through through her her department, and she works with them through that through that process. And together, they're involved in equipping and sending hundreds of new missionaries around the world every year to help fulfill the Great Commission. So uh, please join me in welcoming Steve. And as Steve comes, we have a short video regarding Crew that uh, that we hope you'll enjoy. So. Stephen Robin Rock.
5: It is when we start caring, when we experience unconditional love for the first time, when worship is more than words, it's a lifestyle. It is when we forgive because we've been forgiven, when we connect with each other when we become a community not just social communicators it is when we take risks when we leave our comfort zones experience new things it is when we let jesus transform us because what's on the inside is more important than image it is when we love well in word and deed when we join with others who share the same passion when we rush to the aid of those who are in need when our hope is contagious It is when we see the bigger picture, when we go into all nations, as well as see the world around us as an opportunity to share our hope. It is when we become a caring community, passionate about connecting people with Jesus Christ, that we catch a glimpse of God's kingdom here on earth.
6: would like to start off with is just share how this church has had an impact on our lives. Um, we grew up in church, prayed to receive Christ when we were young, but then drifted as we grew older. And I met Robin in 1983 at State Tech, which is now Southwest, something, something, something. And it was love at first sight. And we were married in 1984, and then we had our first child in 1987, and th- that God started touching our lives when we uh, had our first son.
7: So we decided we wanted to raise our son in church. We wanted to raise our our family in church the same way we had been. And we didn't feel like it had anything to do with us at that point in time. We were happy with how we were. But we started attending Central North because I had attended um, Central Church as a teenager and off and on through college and we started attending Central North Church, as it was then called, in 1987, December of 1987, so just about 31 years ago. And almost immediately, through Brother John's preaching, we rededicated our lives to the Lord.
6: And when I started attending this church, I couldn't have told you where Exodus was. But uh, through Brother John's teaching, the Sunday classes here, uh, mentors in our life, a lot of studying, in Years to come, I was uh, teaching Sunday school, and we were leading, even leading a home group in our home. And during that time, I started feeling God's call to do something in full-time Christian service and did a lot of searching, even looked at uh, joining staff here at uh, Christ Church. And a co-worker with us at State Tech suggested we contact Crew. And so I sent my resume down there, and uh, had the first phone call on Halloween afternoon in 1994.
7: So he got off the phone, and I'm getting the kids ready to come to the fall festival here at church, and he gets off the phone, and he starts talking to me about us joining the staff of Campus Crusade for Christ as missionaries, raising our own financial support, and moving to Orlando, Florida. Now, I'm a native Memphian. I was born and raised here. We had great jobs at State Tech. We were very involved with the church here, lots of good friends. My family's here. I thought he'd lost his mind. So um, I did know God had called him. We believed in that. One of one of the things once we rededicated our lives to the Lord was just um, learning about obedience. And when God calls us to something, when God tells us to do something, um, we certainly try to do it. And so I did know that he was called into ministry. And so when he started talking about crew, we prayed about it. And by the time we were accepted to join staff four months later, I was probably more convinced than he was that this was exactly what God was calling us to.
6: So we went through the application process. We were approved to join staff, went through training, and became missionaries with crew in 1995. And that's when we left this church. Y'all sent us Mm -hmm. off into the mission field. And over the last, it's, so we've been missionaries for 23 years. We've worked in a lot of different roles. Uh, we started out in the computer department down at headquarters and, uh, because we both had computer background, but we both worked in a lot of different ways. God has used us in different ways. I, I was involved in the prayer ministry after that. Uh, we were both conference planners with crew. And one of the uh, big conferences that we were involved in is during spring break, during the month of March we'd have a conference down in uh, Panama City Beach. That was the uh, biggest uh, gathering of college students to party during spring break in the US. So we would host a conference there, and each week we'd have anywhere from 50 to 1,200 students come to our conference. We'd train them on how to share the gospel in the morning, and we'd send them out in the afternoon to practice on the people on the beach, the students on the beach. And uh, God moved in, He'd send them to, to students on the beach that were just broken, searching for something in their lives. And uh, we'd have thousands of conference, conversations that week, and we'd have hundreds of students pray to receive Christ on that beach. And then at night, we'd have a share time, and they'd share what God did through them uh, that during that afternoon. And we'd have students stand up that share that. Last year, they were on that beach uh, partying, and we came to them, and they received Christ. And this year, they came to our conference being trained, and they're out sharing the gospel.
7: And the goal of the conference was to teach them to share their faith back when they went onto campus. Now, the fruit of what happened in Panama City Beach, the hundreds who prayed to receive Christ, was awesome. And we loved that. But really, what we wanted to do was train these students to go back to campus so that they could share with their um, people in their dorm their roommates, their sorority and fraternities, their sports teams, their families if they lived at home. And we did hear story after story of people that did that. That continued through the information that they learned at the spring break conference and the practice that they had on on the beach. They would take that back to campus with them. So often we would have emails from um, our crew staff who worked on campus with the students and they'd say, I'm sitting here in the student union right now and we just see students walking all around, just going up and sharing the gospel with other students. Thank you for the training you gave them.
6: And then about three years ago, God called us to serve in New York. And uh, the ministry in New York is a very difficult place to share the gospel. Uh, at that time, there was only 5% of the population in New York were evangelical Christian. So it's a very dark place. It's it's a New York's focus is business, to be successful, to make money. And so uh, they uh, recruited us to go up there to help build up the ministry in New York. And that, at the time we reported, there were 25 staff trying to reach 1.3 million students. And two, we were able to serve there for two years. And during that time, the staff we helped to recruit, uh, when we left, there were 60 staff And we had opened up uh, campuses on several more uh, college campuses there.
7: And as um, Rhett said, we now serve at the world headquarters. God called us back to Orlando. We had served there for 19 years, then served in New York City, and now we're back at world headquarters. And both of us serve um, in the HR department. Steve Recruits people to staff from all walks of life, and I work helping our new staff, those who have already decided to start applications, and help them become full time missionaries. And in um, 2017, no, 2018, we've had 318 people become full time missionaries with Crew, and that's people who are giving their lives, who go out and raise their own financial support, and are serving with Crew. We had about another 500 who are serving as interns here in the U.S.
6: Oh, uh, Crew, I don't know if you picked that up on the video. Uh, we were founded in 1951 by Bill and Vonette Bright on the UCLA campus, and that's where the name Campus Crusade for Christ came from. Today, we have over 5,000 staff in the U.S. and a total of over 20,000 staff around the world. We're in 150 countries. We have like 50 different ministries, so God has really blessed this ministry and worked through it to reach um, millions of people around the world. And one of the statistics I want to share with you is our Jesus film. It was produced in the 70s. It's based on the book of Luke, and um, it's one of our most powerful ministries. Of I think the video said over 200 million people have received Christ through this video, and just recently we hit uh, our 1,700th language. Um, as There's over 5,000, but we've been able to reach or translate the Jesus film into 1,700 different languages. And we have teams that go around the world and show this, and it used to be big, bulky projection equipment, and now we can do it with just the new technology uh, with smaller equipment that's easy to to bring into countries where it's not safe to share the gospel. Uh, we even have an app on a smartphone now where you can watch all 1,700 of these uh, videos on a, a phone. So if you can run into someone and they're in a, they have a different language and it's one of those 1,700, you can show them the gospel of Luke through the Jesus film on the f- smartphone.
7: And so if you go to your app store, Android or iPhone, you can search for Jesus Film and you'll find that app. It's a free app. You can download it for your phone and use that. Um, a few of the uh, crew's other ministries, as Steve said, we have maybe about 50, 50 different ministries. We reach out to every segment of society. So some of these were displayed on the video. It may have been a little hard to read the text. We have a military ministry. Um our men and women who are serving our country we have people who reach out to them who work alongside them share the gospel help them with marriages and just the difficulties that they go through we have our family life ministry which is just right down the road in Little Rock they do marriage and parenting conferences they also have a family life radio program And they have had over 3 million people attend their marriage and parenting conferences. And they do share the gospel there, so many, many people have received Christ and had their families put back together through family life ministry. We also have Athletes in Action, where men and women use sports to reach out to people with the gospel. Um, We have an inner city ministry, ministering to those who are poor and disenfranchised in the city. Um, our gain ministry was briefly mentioned on the video that's our humanitarian arm one of the most recent things they did although they serve around the world and help people with clean water and things like that but they were down in Panama City Beach and Mexico Beach after the hurricane and are still down there helping those people recover from that and providing resources that they need along with the gospel.
6: Uh, one of our successful programs with college students is during the summer we have summer missions and so where a college student can serve uh, anywhere from four weeks to ten weeks in locations all through the u s and around the world, and they give up their summer and they're they're built into sh- they' once again they're trained on how to share the gospel they're sent out in the uh, in whether neighborhood or community they're uh, they're serving in and share the gospel there and in um, 2018 we had 2,800 college students go on these summer missions they shared the gospel over 63,000 times and 5,300 people prayed to receive Christ through these college students giving up their summer to go around and share the gospel
7: And we are so grateful for those of you that partner with us. Christ Church has been a partner with us from just the very beginning, for day one, since God called us to this ministry. And um, as I look around the room, I see so many of you that partner with us individually as well, and others of you who are not able to do that but pray for us. And you really are partners. We use that term, and we mean it. We could not do what we're doing if it were not for you You have played a part in these people coming to know Christ just as much as we and the other crew missionaries have. We are very grateful for your support and prayers.
6: We just we owe our life to this church, and uh, thank you for this opportunity to come here and share.
0: Thank you, Steve and Robin. I don't know how many of you have been encouraged today? I've been it just you think about the impact as Red already shared, but just to be reminded of not just how you partner financially with Christ Church, but through prayer and uh, just supporting our missionaries and the impact that they're making on college campuses um, all over the world, thinking about the closed nations that are hearing the radio waves, thinking about our our, uh, ladies here in the Memphis area who are getting the support they need to make life-affirming choices. Uh, All of this matters, And, and this is about fulfilling the Great Commission together, and that's one of the main reasons we wanted to bring our missionaries here for you to know them, for you to hear from them, because you are a part of their ministry and we want to continue to build on the relationships that we have already established and continue to see how we can uh, further our reach through their ministries. And uh, there's, I don't think of, there any, of anything more significant. I mean, if I think about my life right now and if I were to die today, I don't think there's anything more significant than to be involved in gospel ministries such as these um, Here and all over the world. Uh, As I said before, we we have a couple of other quick things that we're going to do before we sing our last song. And there are two other missionaries that we support that are not here with us this morning. Uh, We have uh, Dr. Ron Seatron and his wife Shireen. Many of you know uh, Dr. Ron, and he's with our church in Arlington. He's with Solid Rock International. And there's a table down this hallway with a lot of information, but he'll be back here uh, this evening for our meet and greet and for our panel discussion. And so uh, many of you may or may not know Dr. Ron, but he is a a fascinating individual, and he is doing work in southern India and in Trinidad and even in South America where they are training. uh, They have seminary programs for nationals to get their degree in seminary studies, and they're sending them out back to their own people to plant churches and uh, equip pastors to do gospel ministry in their own native languages, in their own native nations, and so we're so thankful to be able to partner with Ron. And then we have Matt and Star Arnold as well. I think we had a picture there. This is Matt and Star. They'll be, they'll be back with us here this evening. I would like for you to get to know them as well. They're they're with Ethnos 360. Uh, right now they're stationed in Roach, Missouri, where they train uh, up to 100 uh, mostly young people at a time who are called to uh, gospel ministry full-time missions, and they're sending them out into some of the hardest to reach people groups all over the world and uh, just the intensive training that they're able to do. And they've worked with people, uh, some of the people groups down in Mexico for years and are still uh, partnering with the people there in, in Mexico. And so they have some wonderful information and I'd like for you to get to know them more as well. So uh, to, to share a little bit more about Ethnos 360, we do have a short video that I'd like to share to give you a little more uh, insight in, into what they do. So we'll just run that now.
8: Ethnos 360 was born out of a need for a channel through which unevangelized people groups might more rapidly be reached with the gospel. In the words of our founder, Paul Fleming, God's love is that a man might know even unto the uttermost part of the earth. And so he gave that great commission to us to go and tell all men, to every tribe, preaching the gospel, that men might know about Jesus Christ and his saving power. Motivated by the love of Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit, Ethnos 360 exists to assist the ministry of the local church. How? Through the mobilizing, equipping and coordinating of missionaries to evangelize unriched people groups, translate the scriptures and see indigenous New Testament churches established that truly glorify God. As missionaries head out, they count the cost willing to face hardship and sacrifice to see a thriving church for every people. In the early days, when missionaries sought to make a friendly contact with the Ayuré people of Bolivia, they were aware of the risks involved. Cecil Dye wrote, I don't believe we care so much whether this expedition is a failure as far as our lives are concerned, but we want God to get the most possible glory from everything that happens. From the world's point of view, The expedition was a failure. Five men were martyred, but God did get the glory. A friendly contact was later established, and the Ayore Church was born. Over the years, Ethnos 360 has seen God's guiding hand in refining our initial and ongoing training programs. As different nationalities expressed an interest in reaching the unreached, Ethnos 360 began missionary training centers in multiple countries around the globe. Today, missionaries of various nationalities and ethnic backgrounds serve side by side. Their goal? To see a thriving church for every people. Though our methods continue to change with the times, the message remains the same. Missionaries learn the culture and language well before preparing and teaching foundational Bible lessons that begin with creation and culminate with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then they stand in awe as God gives the increase. It's not about who we are, but who God is. Celebrate with us as we stand in awe that because of who God is, Ethnos 360 missionaries are working among 259 people groups. Because of who God is, over 1,200 churches have been planted. And because of who God is, 640 of those have appointed their own leaders. To date, 79 New Testaments have been translated and 110 translations are in progress. In Zechariah 4.6, we read, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's all about him. Let's celebrate as we praise God for all he has done over the past 75 years. God is building his church among every tribe, tongue and nation.
0: may say, you know, what's, what's the big deal about all these people groups, the, these different ethnic groups, all these different languages? Uh, a couple of things come to my mind before we close out. Number one, this is in the Great Commission, right? We understand that. Jesus said, you shall go be my witnesses. All right, start in Judea, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the what? The uttermost, the ends of the earth. Go take the gospel to all creation. So we know... Very specifically implied in the Great Commission is to take the gospel to every people group because God has always had a heart for the nations to save people from every nation. And I think about the picture that the Apostle John was able to see, a glimpse of the glory of heaven. And it says, and he beheld the throne and the Lamb who was on the throne and around the throne. He said, I saw a multitude of people. And what did he say? From every tribe and every nation and every language. So, so in, implicit in the kingdom of God is that we're not going to lose our ethnicity. We'll be able to under, recognize each other ethnically, I believe, in the kingdom. Because John saw a glimpse of it around the throne. And we didn't just all blend in to become the very same. That we still have some distinction. And, and the beauty of the, the, the varied grace of God to save people from all of these different people group. To bring us all together as one people. is one of the greatest blessings of the Great Commission. And for you and I to be a part of that. And so as we sing this last song, I thought it was fitting to sing the, the theme and, the, and the, um, the foundation of everything that we've heard today is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the chief cornerstone. And so we're going to sing cornerstone together as we uh, make our way out this morning. So let's all stand together as we sing one more song together. Amen.
1: in Jesus' name. (laughs) D <laughs>
0: before I pray us out, I want to ask you to do one last thing. I'm going to ask our missionaries if you guys would go ahead and head on into our foyer. Uh, if, you're not, if you're not used to going out that way, if you're one of those who like to slip out the back door, close the doors back there.